Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, season two, episode 16. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business uh, tonight. No, uh, stay, Stacey's down, feeling a little bit unwell. Um, COVID tests are coming back negative, which is which is great. Uh, no Laura tonight, but uh, we'll be returning very, very soon, uh, doing a little bit of traveling there, so hopefully get some great stories back from there. But tonight, Beck. Alex, you're with me as we talk all things NFL. And again, we're getting whiplash, trying to keep up with this uh, free agency period. Um, again, we are living through history. Usually, you know, the uh, you know maybe one running back that's kind of third on the depth chart might switch franchises. Now everyone's decided we're going to change quarterback. So that's just made things a little bit interesting. And as we dive into the DMs and have a look at our listener questions, uh, that's, that's exactly the questions we're getting at the moment around free agency. Who has been the best and worst uh, team in free agency so far? Uh, Beck, going to start with you. Yeah, this is a tough one. Like, because I feel like it is has has been the craziest off season we have seen in a long, long time. And I think the players are even feeling it over there, like with all the trades and you know the signings and stuff like that. But for me, I think the Chargers have done a really good job um, to add to what they are like. They already had a pretty great team, but the being able to sign a couple of big names like Mike Williams in that receiver position, a couple of others, I think they've done a really good job to continue to build and, you know, potentially make that, that uh, Super Bowl next year. Cause I was so close last season. Um, and for me, a team that's, you know, kind of suffered or really not done much at all is the saints. I feel like for a team that probably has a bit of cap room to be able to sign some big players that are out there in free agents or, um, make some trades with the players that they do have. They haven't done anything oh, besides re-sign Jameis Winston, which I feel like isn't a great move. So for the Saints, I feel like they're, they're lacking and they're suffering in the free agents this year. It's weird. It's like, it's de- it definitely got those what's doing vibes there in uh, New Orleans. And you wonder whether they're going to start to like reduce ticketing prices, reduce the cost of jerseys. I mean, surely you can't be spending thousand dollars to go and watch the Saints game. Tayson Hill, Hill, what's he, what's he going to do? He's going to have to um, kind of, Anyway, going to be very interesting to see what the Saints can come up with. Uh, very weird. Look, for me, uh, best, oh, look, it's Denver Broncos uh, by a fair distance. They're absolutely incredible. Um, Russell Wilson, pretty handy, uh, pretty decent quarterback, bit of a fan favourite here or maybe ex-favourite of, uh, of Beck and Laura here on the show. But um, it's also a few of the other signings that they've done. So um, DJ Jones on the defensive side, I thought that was um, pretty spectacular. Three years, $30 million deal. Randy Gregory, hey, a little bit of drama, uh, you know, agrees to, to sign with the Dallas Cowboys. They try and, you know, they put a clause in his contract that says, you know, if he, if he sort of plays up or gets suspended, he'll forfeit money. Uh, Denver Broncos sneak in at the 11th hour and say, hey, we're happy to take out that clause out of our contract and give you $70 million uh, for over five years. So um, Randy Gregory, um, you know, he's going to be bringing a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks, which is going to be really important. Um, And the other thing with the Denver Broncos, they go through this entire trade and what defies belief for me is how have they kept all of their star players? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Yes, you've lost Noel Fant. Great, good guy, good tight end. But how is Patrick Satan still 
on this roster. I mean, if you are going to trade Russell Wilson, surely you look at the opposing team and pick their best players. Um, Seattle, really bold strategy, um, decided to go with Drew Locke. So Drew Locke, Patrick Satan, uh, anyway, we'll see what happens there. Um, in terms of uh, the worst, well, it's my beloved New England Patriots. Um, talk about what's doing in New England, uh, what's doing in New Orleans, what's doing um, Bill Belichick. Please, give me some answers. Uh, help me, help, uh, I, I guess, you know... I, the only saving grace is that we absolutely um, smashed the, 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 the draft because things are looking a little bit scary. Um, the cornerback position, we decided not to pay JC Jackson. Bold strategy there, Cotton. We got a, we got a young guy on a rookie quarterback uh, contract. We decided not to splash the cash. cash. Instead, we bring back veteran Malcolm Butler. Uh, not too exciting. And then to make things a little bit challenging, you know, can he stand up? Is he still, you know, kill cornerback one quality? Probably not at all. Um, the Miami Dolphins in division go out and get uh, Tyreek Hill. So uh, anyway, that's going to be really interesting to see Tyreek Hill come up against Malcolm Butler. Um, really strange offseason for the for the Patriots. And they have the worst group of offensive players um, at the moment. Mac Jones must be wondering, what what what, what has he done? You know, did, has he offended Bill Belichick in any way? Because... There, there's no coaches. There's no coaching staff in New England. They're all gone. Uh, it's just Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. So good luck to us as we head into that season. It's crazy because I feel like there are so many teams out there that are taking risks in this draft, and this draft has to be one of the most unusual ones we're going into as well. So so interesting to it's, see those things like the Patriots and the Saints sitting back and not doing much. It's bold, you know. We, we've played with, uh, you know, guys from 7-Eleven previously, but we had this guy called Tom uh, Tom Brady at quarterback, which is a little bit different. And now not only are we doing the 7-Eleven thing with players, we're also doing that with coaches. So, look, if anyone, you know, if you've been somewhat involved in, in NFL, play a bit of Madden, um, send your CV through to billbelichick at hotmail.com.au and we'll see if we can get you a start there on the coaching staff. Um, Alex, a little bit of drama there in the NFL. There's been some dramatic things happening in the game. Who was the best? Who was the worst in free agency? Jeez, I thought I was savage when it came to, like, you know, what the Bears and the, <laughs> what the Bears do. But damn, damn, that was harsh. Look, for me, the best team right now that has done just really well, I think, has been the Raiders. I think getting Devontae Adams is a great thing. Getting Chandler Jones is a great thing. I think reuniting... Devontae Adams and Derek Carr when they're at Fresno State together. I think that's going to be a huge bonus for the Raiders. They've definitely bolstered their defensive side. They've got a couple players from the Bears that they went after. So they're definitely bolstering their team in the right way. So props to the Raiders because they have done really well. And I think when you look at all the players they've signed, like, holy cow. If you want to talk about the top team right now that's using free agency to the best advantage, 100% the Raiders. Now, if I was going to go worst, and I'm so happy to say this, <laughs> talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Green Bay Packers, what is happening? This is what happens when you have to pay Aaron Rodgers all the money that he feels like he deserves. You are going to lose players. And they are having players go to the Bears. They're having players go to the Vikings. They're having players go to wherever and anywhere, right? Because they just can't afford them anymore. Because they had to pay Rodgers. So, you know what, Green Bay? I say this with hand on heart as best I can. Keep doing what you're doing. 
It's uh, yeah, Bolts. You know, your, your historic uh, contract before Russell Wilson and uh, and the Sean Watson there. So Rogers getting getting a lot of money, and then he's not going to be able to throw the ball. It's, it's going to be run, uh, running football team because uh, no more wide receivers. Um, going to be interesting to see what they do in the draft. But um, anyway, hang in there, NFL fans. For the teams that aren't doing so well, we've still got the draft to, to recoup. But uh, yeah, stressful times as we uh, yeah look ahead to the upcoming NFL season. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, The Huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, all right, guys, let's dive into it in the huddle. Our team in focus this week is the 5-12 and 12 Carolina Panthers. Alex, this is an interesting football team because um, I'm, I'm a little bit, I, I guess, underwhelmed uh, with, with where Carolina are at at the moment. I'm sure their fan base is feeling the same, mostly because I've, I've sort of looked at their owner, David Tepper. You know, he's this you know, fun manager, billionaire, takes, takes risks, risks each and every day. That's kind of his style. I was really expecting him to do something spectacular. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson, maybe even try and drag someone out of an existing franchise. I was really expecting David Tepper to kind of, um, you know, produce something pretty spectacular. But, I mean, you know, you look at the date at the moment, March 2022, Carolina Panthers might be going ahead with uh, Sam Darnold. Yeah, I saw that report where um, I think it was a GM again talking about how Sam Darnold is their frontrunner for QB. Look, if I was Carolina... I'd be getting some decent backup. So if he does go down injured, uh, you know, you have somebody, but I'm surprised that Carolina, Carolina haven't gone back, gone after a, a star receiver or at least a, like a, like a star fullback, right? Because they need to take the load off Christian McCaffrey and they need someone to throw the ball to, right? As soon as you start picking up the run game, like what do you like? Carolina has nothing in regards to receivers, right? I mean, that's probably you know harsh to say, but really, when you look at their receiving core, who do they have that's a standout that's going to be consistent throughout the season? Because they haven't had that last year. But we all know Sam Donald struggles. If I was them, I'd be looking to get a backup quarterback, some wide receivers, some running backs. God hope they do something in the draft because they haven't done anything in free agency right now. I feel like they have, they don't have like standout superstar receivers, but they do have decent receivers. And I think the struggle this year was getting the ball to them because they did have so much disruption with that backfield with, you know, losing Christian McCaffrey early in the season. Then Sam Darnold went out. Um, They were starting um, a young fella. Can't remember his name, but they had a starting quarterback and then they brought in Cam Newton Cam Newton, you know, they thought he was going to be this superstar and he just did not slot into where he left off last time he was at that franchise. So I don't necessarily think it's the receiving core that is the weakness in this offense. I think it's definitely that backfield with that quarterback running back combination. Yeah, it was PJ Walker, wasn't it? You know, the the star in that other competition that wasn't the NFL. I lose track of him. I think there's another one coming out soon. So as soon as you're getting guys from the Reggies in the NFL, uh, it's, uh, you know, slim pickings there. But no, it's a, look, it's a very interesting situation, um, you know, there for Carolina. Um, you know, Alex, you, you hope that there is a plan because you, you can faintly see it. 
you know, that when you look at, um, you know, when you look at the head coach, you know, when he's when he sort of came in, there's a little bit of pressure on him as well because the the owner is is quite um, impatient. But he's gone very very heavy on the defensive side in draft. You know, it it very much feels very uneven at this football team because you know you've got the defensive um, side of the ball that could be, you know, arguably. You know, probably the best in the competition, but you know Matt Rule. If he's going to have to keep his job, you're exactly right. They're definitely going to have to do something um, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, let's dive into a little bit more into the Carolina Panthers. There's, uh, well, I guess they're saving grace like a lot of teams that are struggling is the draft. But Beck, just before we dive into the draft. There was a little bit of uh, flirting that went wrong during the week with the Carolina Panthers, and I want to I want to share this story with you: the Baker Mayfield Carolina Panthers situation. Because doesn't it take you back to school where you know the, the word comes out from Carolina to say, "Look, we're we're not interested in Baker," and then he sort of releases, a, a, I guess, a statement through his media team to say that that's cool. I wasn't I wasn't interested anyway. Beck, it feels very high school, uh, and, I, and I think I call bullshit that, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield is without a job at the moment there in Cleveland, and, um, yeah, just a little bit of added drama there between Carolina and Baker during the week. I feel like it wouldn't be Baker Mayfield if he didn't have something to say about it. So I feel like it's totally in tune with his character and who he is, regardless of whether Carolina were interested or not. He clearly had an interest and was upset with the denial <laughs> by the Carolina Panthers not wanting him, probably along with a lot of other clubs at the moment because I don't feel like he's a very desirable quarterback at the moment. But that's definitely in line with his attitude, his persona. That's that's Baker and that's why some teams don't want him over there because he does have that attitude that comes with him. Yeah, I don't think that was the right place for Baker Mayfield. Like Carolina is just not his, his zone, I think. But I think what's interesting too is kind of with Carolina restructuring Christian McCaffrey's contract, what that looks like as far as cap space goes. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they did some like crazy trade on draft day just to get like a top tier quarterback. Cause I know they've been looking at quite a few, but yeah, you're right. Baker Mayfield, not the player for Carolina, but, but he brings, as you said, like he brings so much drama to a franchise and Carolina, they're just not that team. Like they're just not a drama. They're not a drama filled team. No, they're not. And speaking on the Christian McCaffrey thing, I think for the Panthers, they would be so much more beneficial to trade him for some draft picks or for something a little bit um, more sustainable for the offense. Because, you know, we've seen him be injured for the last two seasons in a row to restructure a comp- contract, to pay him more money and not be able to fit in other players into that salary cap, I don't think is going to work for them either. Alex, uh, you know, we've got a few Carolina fans that listen to the podcast and they're trying to look for answers uh, it, it, it's going to come in the draft, isn't it? You know, in terms of you know something dramatic that's going to change life. But you know that they find themselves in a, in a, in, a, in a slightly difficult situation because as it currently stands, they they're, they're sort of they're picking at six. Um, I, I guess what what are you doing? You're the draft maestro amongst us. Uh, the clock is ticking. You've got you know quite a few needs on the offensive side of the ball. There's some really good players there. You know, there's a lot of speculation around how good this quarterback class is, which we've spoken about at length. What are you doing with uh, pick number six? I don't know. I mean, they've clearly bolstered their defense in Rashawn Melvin and uh, Justin Burris as far as kind of like, but they've added some veterans to like a very young defense, which is really, really good. So I think, I don't know, I'd be getting a backup to Sam Donald just because I don't, and I'd be going for the likes of Pickett. I think Pickett would be a good kind of fit for Carolina. I think he'd be a good backup to Sam Donald. I don't think Sam Donald is 
the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. So I think going after Pickett probably in that sixth pick would be better. And then in those later picks, because I think they've got what? Round pick 137, which is round four. They've got two in round five, one in round six, one in round seven. Just go look at some running backs. Go look at some guys that are going to put some effort for you. Take the load off Christian McCaffrey, because if you do end up trading him, you're going to need some backfield help there. And then get some guys that are going to help with that rush defense. I think get some young guys that just want to learn and be in the NFL. And I think that's the best use of their picks right there. Beck, it's it's so difficult because it's easy for me to say, but you know, if, if I'm in that... If I'm in that sixth spot, you know, you look at the players that are going to be there or thereabouts. Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, theoretically could be there. Great player. The quarterbacks, they're, they're just not at that level. I've graded most of them as second, ground, uh, second um, you know, round talent. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see whether Carolina can hold their nerve, avoid, I, I guess, reaching for one of these quarterbacks um, and going with the best player. You know, for me... It, it, I guess when I think about Carolina, I'm kind of with Alex. I, I would be looking at I'd be looking at a veteran. I think this has got Jimmy G written all over it. I would make a play for Jimmy to try and bring him into Carolina to buy them a little bit of time, and then I would I would hold firm and I would try and get a little bit of value out of a quarterback in a later round. If it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. You've got Jimmy G, but you know I just don't think there's a huge gap between you know some of these prospects that are getting talked about in the first round compared with you know some of the quarterbacks that might get drafted in the second or third round. Um, bit of a split group tonight, Beck, because Carolina is in a little bit of an offensive mess. What's your thoughts on this one? What would you do if you're in the GM seat? Yeah, I feel like it's a super tough one because you make some really great points about the quarterback class not being you know, first round kind of pick, especially that early in the trade. But when you look at the picks that they do have, they have a first round and then they don't have another pick to the fourth round. So they're risking four rounds of picks to let go of a quarterback if they don't, you know, pick up, like you said, Jimmy G, if they do decide that Sam Donald is their guy, they kind of have to think about a backup if he does get injured, if things don't go their way. So it's a tough call for them to, you know, go with a quarterback at that six-round pick because I don't think any of the ones coming out in the draft are worth that early of a pick. But there are, and the, yeah, there are so many other positions. Like there's so many defensive players coming out in this draft, but Carolina don't have a defensive need, which is kind of what you go into the draft looking for, what you need for your team and what you need to build to be better. So I think for them, I'm kind of on Barker's side here. Like I would go, you know, a quarterback and hopefully be able to build them up and have them sit behind Donald and learn for a season and come and step into that starting role rather than picking up um, defensive players that you will eventually have to fill cap room when they come up, when their contract ends, you you know, you're going to have to move on other players to fit them in. Like it could be very, um, difficult for them in the long run to pick up more defensive players when that's not really the need for the team at the moment. Yeah, I think this is a hard one for them, right? Because when we look at this draft, it's so defensive heavy and it's so, there's so many standout defensive players. But as you said, Carolina, that's not where they're struggling. That's not where they need players. They need players on the offensive side. So I think this is going to be a very tough draft, I think, for them as a franchise because, again, they just, like most teams going to go, oh, we need to improve our rush defense. We need to improve our line. We need to do this. But Carolina's sitting okay in that regard. So I guess when you look at it, you go, oh, we need offensive players. It's kind of hard when this isn't really an offensive draft. It's, it's- There's a couple of receivers, but like nothing top 10 standout 
like this is the player that everyone's gunning for on offense. Like it's not that kind of draft. Chris Olave is not allowed to go to Carolina. <laughs> there we go um, on on record there. And, and and then, you know, if they do go with a bold strategy and keep Sam Darnold, um, Alex, how do you – how do you stop him from giving the football to the other team? I mean, you know, football's a pretty simple game. You know, just, hey, you know, see the guys with the, the sort of the shiny blue jerseys. You see, they're the ones that we want to give the football to. Sam, you, you tend to continue to give the ball to the other team, which makes our life difficult. Um, the Joe Brady situation didn't work out as the OC, um, but never fear. Ben McAdoo returns there as the new OC there for Carolina. So going to be really interesting to see um, if he's forced to create some magic there with Sam Donald. All right, guys, um, just around this uh, off, um, simple question for you. Will Carolina improve their record heading into next season? They finished with five wins um, in their last campaign. Beck, going to start with you. So many questions good to, uh, this is a, you know a pretty solid team defensively but um yeah can can they do better than five wins i feel like i'm going to be super harsh right now and say no like i don't see i honestly i don't see this offense building up enough to be able to give this defense time off the field and recover to be able to have you know this defense perform at its best because it is on the field a lot. Like I said, Sam Donald <laughs> struggles to hold on to the ball. He has a lot of turnovers in his game. So this defense is constantly on and off the field. And I don't think they're going to find anyone in this free agents in this draft that's going to be able to build that and change that momentum in one season. It's going to take a little bit of um, time to be able to turn that around. So I'm going 5-12. and 12. Like, I think they're going to have the same record. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a push, isn't it? Like, as soon as I feel a little bit uncomfortable with the quarterback, I feel very uh, wary about sort of pushing them up. I guess their only saving grace is their uh, their division, the, the, the NFC South, is an absolute dumpster fire. At, Atlanta Falcons are doing everything they can to tank. The New Orleans Saints are, are competing there as well. Um, Tom Brady coming back for Tampa Bay, that, that kind of you know changes things a little bit. They'll, they'll clean that up very, very quickly. But um, look, they'll get a couple of wins there. But no, look, I'm with you, Beck. I've got to go push. Um, yeah, things are looking a little bit weird and funky there, but could change one trade. Um, and, and I could certainly see things um, turning around there for Carolina again. Alex, the defense, it's great. Um, bit of a deciding vote here. What's your thoughts on Carolina heading into the season? Look, I'm with both of you. I don't think they're going to do any better than five. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they got three or four wins. I think they should be, like, next year we should be talking about what they're going to do with, like, pick number one or two because I just don't think that they're going to have the experience on the offensive side of the ball. They don't have a quarterback that can keep it, you know, to his own team, really. And, and the defense is going to get tired. And and at the end of the day, like, if the defense is on all the time, yes, they've got some veterans. Yes, they've got some young guys. But they don't have the experience nor the stamina to stay on there for as long as I think they're going to be. So I, I, I'm i going to give them three or four wins. I think five is being nice considering what they need to do with their offense. So. Look, it's dangerous. We're all in agreement here. So I think we've just officially cursed them. So Carolina Panthers are probably going to win the Super Bowl next year. You've heard it here first here at Mojo Sports. Uh, no, like plenty to clean up there in Carolina. Um, yeah, going to be very, very interesting draft. Not too many picks to choose from. So, um, yeah, let's stay tuned. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right, guys, well, let's continue with our NFL draft theme. And this week on the match, we're looking at some of the best running backs in the draft. Uh, Brees Hall from Iowa State coming up against Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. 
Alex, uh, again, this is a weird draft. I'm trying to stay um, excited and enthusiastic because it is for the purists. You know, the best players in this draft are on the defensive side. You know, you've got a few, um, I guess, you know, some potentially pretty special offensive linemen. But again, when you look at the running back class, you know, we're going to talk about the talent of these two players. But, you know, these players, a lot of people are thinking they're not going to sneak into the first round. Um you know, what's your thoughts on that? Because, you know, over the last couple of years, typically those last couple of picks in the first round, typically a running back might sneak in there to get that fifth year option. Um, yeah, thoughts generally about the class and then we'll dive into to Brees there from Iowa State. Yeah, I think this is a tough class for running backs. I think, I think there are some quality players that will work for whatever team they're going to which I think is what a lot of teams need in that running back spot. So I think they can even out their, their offense um, and their offensive schemes. But I don't think that you have any running backs in this draft that are like, you know, your Christian McCaffrey's or your Derrick Henry's or your David Montgomery's, you know, these guys are quarter, uh, running quarterbacks, running backs that are going to be put to use. They're going to put in the effort and they're going to be utilized to to round out an offense versus be an offense. Um, and I think that's a great example of the two players that we have matched up tonight in Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Beck, uh, let's start with Brees because, you know, and, and I think part of it is, you know, you, again, you don't want to spend too much on these running backs. We've spoken about that second contract. It's nearly off the table at the moment. You know, the last few teams that took the chance on it have been burnt severely. Um, but again, when you think about draft capital, um, there's just so much value in the later rounds when it comes to running backs. I mean, you think of every draft over the past few years, there's always one or two guys that pop out of the third, fourth, fifth round that are almost the best running back in the class most years. So um, let's let's dive into Brees Hall though. Um, interesting player, uh, twenty years of age uh, from uh, Nebraska, six foot one, hundred kilos, very physical player. Um, you know, obviously uh, dove into college. Um, you know, started as a freshman, was quite productive. He was in and out though, three years. Um, you know, and, and I guess that that is that that does make sense uh, when you think about a running back. Let's not stay in college for too long. Let's take the punishment. Let's get out of there as soon as we can to try and get that NFL contract. What's your thoughts on Brees? Because, um, you know, some pretty impressive um, stats over the past couple of years. Yeah, he is an impressive running back. And I think when we do look at running backs, they do like more typically play a shorter career than most. So playing three years coming out into the draft is not surprising for a running back. And I think for him, it's probably the best time for him to come out as well. He's, um, very much a dominant middle, you know, heavy hitting hard runner. He's those ones who gets those, you know, short yardages for first downs or, you know, scoring touchdowns within the five yard range. Like he's your third down reliable kind of quarter uh, running back that you want in the backfield when you are putting those um, short and fourth or short and third kind of positions. Alex, uh, you know, drafting him in the first, a little bit high. But as soon as you sort of look at Brees as a second-round pick, then, then then it starts to get exciting, you know what I mean? Because then you're not putting pressure on him as being a franchise-changing, you know, RB1. You know, if he comes in and kind of supports an existing crew that you've kind of built up there, then we're talking something a little bit differently there. To, to Beck's point, he's physical, six foot one, 100 kilos. The guy ran uh, four three nine, so he's certainly got some pace, and he has, um, you know, put some production. You know, uh, you know, he, he's in terms of his stats over the last couple of years, pretty much on par. What's your thoughts? I, I guess high value if he did sort of come through in that second round. 
I think this is a good second round pick for a running back. And the reason I say that is he had over 1400 yards. He had 20 touchdowns. He had 5.8, but not only that, he had 36 in his last year, he had 36 receptions for 302 yards, averaging 8.4. So not only can he run the ball, but I think you can utilize him in a dual threat capacity where he can be that receiver. If you need that option for him to be, And I think this is where he probably edges out Kenneth Walker and maybe some other running backs in the league is that I think this is a guy being 6'1", right? He's quick. He's got a little bit of weight behind him. He's strong. So I think that from a running back is great. I mean, in the last two years, he's had, you know, 1472 yards for runs and over 1500 for runs. So he's clearly consistently, you know, getting that yards on the ball and he kind of, reminds me a little bit of like a younger Derrick Henry um, in the way that he's just, he's probably a little bit smaller, right? But he's still able to kind of like muscle his way through when he runs and he's able to still have those good hands when he needs to be a receiver. So if I was going second round for any team, I think Brees Hall is a great pickup in that second round as far as running backs go. All right, guys, let's flip it over to his competitor tonight. It's Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. Um, Alex, I'm going to throw this straight back at you because it's an interesting situation. You know, he played his first couple of years at Wake Forest and then he moves over to Michigan State. uh, State. And this is kind of why you don't give a running back a second contract because they ran this guy into the ground. Talk to us about his season there for Michigan State because did they even throw the ball at all? They just handed it off to this guy each and every single play. I mean, this guy, I mean, you know, he, he's had a fair bit of rest. Uh, the season's been, obviously, you know, for a few months um, since Michigan State have played their, their last game. But the guy's still probably exhausted, Alex, after that workload. And, again, this is what we mean about running backs. They certainly get a lot of uh, wear and tear um, during college. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and this, like, Michigan State are in a tough conference, right? But I think this is a one of those kind of like pure running back kind of players where you can only really just run him. Um, and I think we kind of come up against strong defenses. I think that's his weakness. I mean, you look at the Ohio State game that Michigan lost, which was 56 to 7. He had six attempts and only 25 yards. So clearly when you come up against a strong, you know, rush, uh, you know, uh, rush defense like Ohio State, you're going to really struggle, really, really struggle. So um, I think maybe that's a little bit of downfall and kind of Michigan State focusing on him as a running game. Um, again, you know, he, he had, in his final year, he had over 1,600 yards, averaged 6.2, 18 touchdowns, you know, but again, he's not utilized as a receiver. He only had 13 receptions for 89 yards. So clearly he is a true, true kind of just runs the ball. Again, he's a little bit smaller, 5'10". Um, yeah, I, I think if you want a true, true running back, like someone who's just going to run you the ball, sure. Um, I, I would go with Kenneth Walker, but I think he definitely needs a little bit more development. And I don't think he's someone that you can pinpoint your offense around. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that the amount of carries that he has had in his last season could be a downfall for him coming into the draft because teams don't want a rundown, worn out running back coming into their team who could potentially only last a season or two seasons or end up injured because of the wear and tear on their body from their college season. But I also think that he does have a lot of good um qualities to him when you do watch him run especially when he is making his initial reads and coming up to the line of scrimmage he really looks for where the gaps are and can really find his way through the line and break tackles and I think he does a really good job 
at being that running back, like that dominant running back, like pure pure running back, not a, a dual threat running back, because he does have that readability at the line of scrimmage to be able to find the gap and run through it. You're right. He he is really He kind of reminds me a little bit of David Montgomery. Yeah, ability to run the ball. Um, so I think if you're a team that wants to be able to throw and run, I think I think you know Kenneth Walker is because he is he is a lot like David Montgomery. Yeah, no, that's uh, I, I think that's definitely going to be the case with Kenneth Walker, and we've seen some weird and wonderful things. We had a lot of people who doubted, you know, players like Jonathan Taylor in the past, and I guess running backs. That you know, there, there's a lot of questions in and around them, and then all of a sudden they explode and they they help take your uh, take your franchise to that next level. Um, you know, w- will it be Brees? Will it be Kenneth? Uh, be very interesting to see. All right, guys, no sitting on the fence when it comes to the match. We've got to pick our player here. A quick round the grounds. I'm getting a little bit of vibes that we're all going Brees because of that that physicality. We love those stats. We love that size. Alex, getting a little bit of nod for you. Are you going Brees? Yeah, I'm going Brees because I think teams really, not, really need to start utilizing the running backs in a more dual threat um, because if the run game does stop, you still need to be able to utilize them in your offense um, versus it just becoming you know obsolete. So for me, I'm definitely going to go Brees Hall on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go Brees as well. And obviously, the later in the draft, the better to, to maximize that value. Beck might be going might be going a little bit different here. Again, that last year of production for Kenneth Walker, it's going to get a lot of NFL scouts pretty excited about what he could potentially do in the NFL. Yeah, I, I am going the opposite direction. I am going Kenneth Walker just because I feel like the NFL is kind of going towards this two-back kind of running system rather than a dual threat running back. And I think that he would fit really well into a system as that second back that's, you know, a game changer, an impact player that does come in and have that outbreak run rather than being that heavy carry load that can do both kind of running back. And I think coming into the NFL, that position is becoming more um, preferred than the dual threat kind of running back. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, guys, this week on Rapid Fire, we have a bit of a look at where, where I guess, improvements lie for a lot of teams in the NFL. And we're going to start with the champions, LA Rams. Alex, picture this. You've got Lombardi Trophy sitting behind you. You've got a new shiny ring. I mean, life's good. But even still, you know, things change year to year. Um, you know, the, the, you know, Sean McVay probably, you know, he had a bit of a party for a few days and then he would have got back in the office and started to get back to work. Um, yeah, looking at the LA Rams, what, what are you thinking here? Where do they need to improve as they try and, um, yeah, they try and go back to back? I mean, it's great to see him, like, extend Matthew Stafford. I don't think that was ever going to be an issue. Um, clearly, they've replaced Robert Woods with uh, Allen Robinson, which, you know, I struggle to say as a Bears fan, seeing Allen Robinson go was was definitely sad. But for me, I think the Rams really need to focus on their secondary. I think that was a big thing for them in the Super Bowl. I think that was a big thing for them moving forward through the season. Um, it's just – I think they just gave up too many opportunities mm-hmm. – in that secondary, they've got to get a safety that's more switched on. I'd be looking 
looking to get like a like hardcore veteran safety in the free agency mm-hmm. if I was them. Um, and then I'd be looking to you know bolster their cornerbacks as far as you know the draft goes. Yeah, look for a team that uh, I guess you know wears shirts that says "F those picks." They've certainly got a few uh, in this year's draft. So you know Rams fans, they they will get to see a few players' uh, names called uh, in the NFL draft. And look, if it was me, I'd be picking running backs for every single pick, Nelly, because uh, the Rams can't run the football, uh, and it's really challenging and puts so much pressure on Matt Stafford. If the LA Rams could figure out a way to run the football, just how dynamic could this football team be? You know, Cooper Cup, obviously, he's absolutely spectacular. You've spoken about Allen Robinson, but um, yeah, let's try and run run the football, take a little bit of pressure off Matt Stafford because there were times where he was, um, you know, pressing and uh, had a few turnovers there. And as we know, it's very, very difficult to go back to back. The Rams need to find a way in which they can be a little bit more dynamic in what is an offensive league, and um, yeah, it's just it's pretty scary in terms of some of the moves that other teams have made. So you know the Rams, they they need to keep up. Uh, Beck, you get the final say on this one. Oh God, it'd be so difficult to be a Super Bowl champion and and sort of you know bring in a couple of players just to make life a little bit easier. But um, yeah, throw yourself into the GM seat for the LA Rams. What are you doing here? For me, I think the biggest impact is what you've kind of already mentioned of them not being able to have much of a running game and then having one of their best players on that line retire in Andrew Whitworth. I think fixing up that O-line and replacing him is going to be a big, big, big ask of whoever does take into that position. But I think definitely coming into the draft, that's where they should be looking and that's the position that they need to really focus on and feel to fix up that O-line to protect the backfield and have that running game established so that Matt Stafford doesn't um, suffer so much in that backfield. Yeah, you've kind of convinced me there, Beck. You know, Joseph, note boom, he looks good. They've had him in the system for quite a while, but maybe with one of those picks you'll be getting a late-round offensive lineman because it's just so much risk. If it doesn't work out, if you have any issues at that left tackle position, um, yeah, go and ask Joe Burrow what, what that's like. So, now going to be really interesting in terms of what LA life looks like without um, Big Wit. Um, and congratulations on an incredible career. Definitely headed towards the, the Hall of Fame. All right, guys, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support here on the NFL show. Continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next week, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.